Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand Extra. My name's David Edgar but I am not your host as usual this week. I'm only here to do the introduction because this week we're delighted to bring you an exclusive interview with club legend Ian Durant. Our man Stephen Harrigan went to talk to one of his all-time heroes and let's face it one of all of our all-time heroes uh, to talk about his time as a player and as a coach at Ibrox. It's a fantastic and fascinating interview Stephen conducted and I'm sure you'll enjoy it. And if you do enjoy it then why not come to our Patreon site it's patreon.com P-A-T com forward slash heart and hand as well as news current events historical shows you'll also find a whole raft of interviews with legends such as Richard Goff Andy Gray Mark Walters Craig Moore Kevin Thompson to name but a few tons and tons of interviews available and they're a lot different to anything you would find in the mainstream media so listen to this enjoy there's a couple of other top interviews dropping over the next few days over on Patreon why not sign up it's just one ninety nine per month right that's enough of the sales pitch it's now time to listen to Blue and White Dynamite himself enjoy the show and we'll be back on Monday hello everyone and welcome to another Heart and Hand interview Joining me today is a man who is certainly one of our own. He won seven league titles, three Scottish Cups, four League Cups. He's a scorer of some of the most important goals in Rangers history. A man for all the big occasions. And it's even been said he could be my dad, such as a likeness. So I welcome one of Rangers' best ever players, and without doubt the best looking. He's blue, he's white, he's dynamite. It's Mr Ian Durant. Thank you very much for joining me. Pleasure, thank you. Now, John Gregg brought you to the club, but it was Jock Wallace who gave you your debut. Uh, a man whose messes are very well documented um, and I suppose what stands through, see all the players that came through at that time, is their character more than their ability. Was that something that was really shaped by the environment? Was it a, a case of survival of the fittest? Just your upbringing, how you brought you through now, obviously. Still referring to the gaffers, John Gregg gave me the, the opportunity as an S-form. 
uh, and I never got the chance to fulfil it. Now you play for Greg and then Big Jock gave me my chance now. And uh, the things that they're, they're character building, their discipline, how to be a Rangers player, how to be a Rangers man, or just a player, as I said, and now their, their upbringing and their introduction to Rangers was now valid to anybody. Now what they, they taught you at a young age, you know, it stands you in good stead for the rest of your life. Absolutely. Um, you had some very good coaches early on in your career as well. You had a lot of ex-players, you know, Alex Miller, who's went on to great things in the game. You had David Proven, you had Tommy McLean as well, and a lot of good managers on right. How does that... What do they teach you that you carry forward? Because they're very much respected pros, but in the days they were kind of probably forced to go into coaching, weren't they, to continue on with their careers? I don't think they were forced. I think it was, it was a natural progression. Uh, we had Tommy and, as you said, David Proven. We also had a, a, a great coach in Joe Mason, who, uh, who was a disciplinarian. Now, Joe, it was either Joe's way or the highway. Um, he taught you now how, now what you had to bear. Now, when we were apprentices, now we had to bear on time. If you weren't on time, now you were, you were sent away, sent home, and now fearing the worst. But uh, they, 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 they taught you the values of being at Rangers. Uh, as I said, now, I've got great respect. Now, we Tommy McLean spent many an afternoon with myself, Derek Ferguson, Robert Flegg, Shui Burns, Dave McFarlane, now just teaching us now the basics, now working in your error, now your, your weaknesses, try to mirror your strengths to your weaknesses now, now over in the album, David Proven, now, and I said now the natural progression was in the youth, at that time never the youth team, but they, you know, we used to play youth games, but there was a lot of trialists, albeit with us, the apprentices, and then the next progression was now trying to get the Joe Mason reserves team, which is now, was a Bit, bit of a team at that time now you had the likes of Billy Davis Andy Kennedy Kenny Black Kenny Lyle Andy Bruce now all players now just tilting on the, the, the edge of the first team and uh, getting into that team is now it was, it was hard enough but uh, it was great now growing up with Derek and obviously we Fleck and Shea Burns now with a, a few characters in this at that time but it was, it was great because now with a, a solid background behind us in terms of the coaching Absolutely but see you know when you mention all the players one thing that stands out to me and even I suppose most of our players around the Scottish League at that time and even players across the city that came through was the character but they were all kind of I would call you all kind of street footballers you probably grew up in less than perfect environments you know not everything was lifted and laid to you do you think that's missing in the game now because the footballers we see now are completely different to the footballers that come through they don't have that Glasgow Gallus or the you know the wee bit of back chat about them they do a bit now, from when we were doing interviews today, and I come from Kinnan Park, I come from Plantation. Now it was, now it was a hard upbringing, but it was, it was an enjoyable upbringing. Now we Flake is for Postal, Hughes for Lark Call, uh, uh, Dave McFarlane, he was for Cornock, and, and Derek was for now at Bell's Hill. You know, but now we had great family values. Now, but now we never did as a youngster. Mm-hmm. Now we had to work hard for it. But uh, now our families made sure if if, if we did, they they provide it. And then we've got the back in the club as well now. They must have seen something at a younger age now for all to go in at the same time. And uh, now when you look back at it and you, you look at five players that were playing the first team at the time, now from our, our era, and it stands in good stead. But now, as I say, going back to you know, the, the upbringing and coaching and the staff. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you made your first team debut at 16 against Morton. Um, what was that like and did you expect it? Did you see it coming? That was a long time ago. <laughs> uh, I'd actually I'd, I'd been in a youth tournament in the Gaffer. Uh, Jock had been over. We were in Düsseldorf and I get player of the tournament and uh, for some reason I, and, uh, we were short of players at the time so I had to play up front and then I adapted then the gaffer asked me in the, in the last game when we played the I think it was the Russian Russian national team and through Stan Anders who the other coach he asked big job I started to play in the middle of the park which he's seen something now breaking the lines breaking runs and uh, they played there and we were fortunate enough to win 2 nothing and I got you know, the second one so big job at a younger age, I just seen because at that time, 
if I'm perfectly honest, I wasn't a jock player because I was about seven and a half stone <laughs> and I had to run about the shell to get wet. And a uh, big jock like now, he, he likes physical players, but he's seen something in his and Now, it was great when he came in because everybody sees the hardness in him, but he, he, was, he was brilliant now in terms of now what, what he'd done for it. Now, he's seen something, I said, now in the five of us. And now, he, he threw in no fault was wrong. He was trying to build a team around about that, but again, now you know what it's like with now, Rangers, now you, you don't get enough time. And, Rangers at that time are pursuing another manager we'll talk about in a minute but Big Job must have seen something at a younger age where he, he said now he wanted me to play midfield because I was more of a when I played with Glasgow United now outside right up centre forward Yeah you spoke about that patience as well that's important I think we're probably in a very similar situation now where we have to be patient uh, maybe for slightly different reasons but do you think that's the past we us as a club have to go down now just producing our own is that, that the best way like for to us to achieve yeah, success you'd love to see that because I, I always like you know, the, the fans like an identity with the club now they like to bring their own through uh, and it was great now where I come from it's not a thing but it's the proudest day of your life walking around I used to walk to work and now the great now there's a spring in my step but now there is there's, there's a conveyor belt now I, I watched the uh, under 18 final at Hamden last week, and there was a conveyor belt of players coming through just now. But they have got to prove to Stephen Gerrard that they're good enough to play for Rangers because it now it is a harsh environment. Yeah. Uh, no quarter given, but you've got to now just now stand up and be thick skinned and, and show that you're good enough. How hard is it to play at Ibrox, especially in the early days when you're we're not successful? Success isn't coming that easy. It's hard, but it's enjoyable. But, but if, if you make it hard on yourself, then you, you add the pressure on you. Now you've just got to embrace it and then try and take on now. When you get your chance, now it's like everyone else, now it's not your fault, you know, you deserve your chance, so, but as I said, now you've just got to go and take it. Unfortunately, in the last few years now, we've been starved of boys coming through, but now McCrory, uh, now, and I look at other players, now they all, they all go and they've got a great upbringing at Murray Park or, or the Hummel or, or Kenhow, whatever we're called now, and I've got, because you see Halkett and Liam mm-hmm. Kelly now, all, all graduates for, for Murray Park, so they do, they go into good things, yeah. and, uh, but it's just it's unfortunate, but we're not seeing now two or three, maybe four or five in the first team, which I'm now hopefully now touched by a bit of luck, they can see that happening. Absolutely, and there's a pathway now. You scored your first goal um, against Celtic, something you'd make a habit of doing. It was in a 3-0 victory, and I heard it was a thunderbolt from 40 yards. There's no pictures to, to disprove this. It's actually on YouTube, but you don't see the ball. Actually, never hit the back of the net. But actually, my first goal for Rangers was in a test of one against Chelsea oh. for the Bradford disaster. I went down and played a Chelsea team, uh, Kerry Dixon, uh, David Speedy, uh, a very good team, Mickey Hazard, and we played now uh, a friendly, and I, I, I got, uh, there was a penalty after about half an hour, big job, told me to point over it, he told me to hit it, so I just ran up and blasted it, and uh, that was my first goal, my first official goal was at, was at Ibrox, when there was a dispute with the BBC, yeah. and the game was cancelled, but there is a thing on YouTube, but you can't really see a lot of it, but it's a camcorder, <laughs> but, uh, some of the... Some of the tackles and some of the language coming out of the camcorder, I don't think I, I don't think you could edit it nowadays. <laughs> but that, that was the first bit. But it just there was a stramash and then I got up. And I just remember Paddy Bonnet sort of scrummed to the side. And I just I got a toe poke and I swear to God, we're over line about that. <laughs> but I wasn't caring because I was away and that was it. And we went on. Now we're under a wee bit of pressure and now we weren't playing really well. But we showed that day on our day we we're more than capable. Now we ran out now three. It could have been five six. Mm. Now at that day now we we're, were well on top. And, uh, there was a bit at the back. Coop scored a great goal, as usual now. Great half volley. And then Coyce and Tim McMahon are still arguing to this day. <laughs> who got the third goal. And Coyce said it was him, so you know what he's like. 
Aye, loudest voice always wins. Aye, he's, uh, he's, he, get, he gets involved in a move and he, he takes the credit for the goal because he maybe got a touch the move. Mm-hmm. Now, um, Graham Sooners then comes in. We changed at the club because we hadn't won the league in nine years. Was it as much a shift in mentality as anything? Well, just been an influx of money when you're getting England capped and England goalkeeper mm-hmm. now. You're attracting the players like Trevor Francis, Ray Wilkins now. The everything, the whole attraction, the whole package with Graham Sooners now. Obviously, with Liverpool days and then going to Sampdoria, he just attracted now. And he got the back of the board uh, at that time under now my previous two gaffers, now Greg and Jock. Now that there was a lot of money spent in the stadium, so again now uh, under Greg, they, they were unlucky his first year. If you, if you recollect now, they nearly won the treble, but they, they, they did an ageing team. And then Big Jock came in and tried to change things, obviously bringing through years. But again, there was a, a lack of finance, and, and Graham soon has got that. And without finance, you could attract them now, as I say, the, the, the calibre players that now went on and st- now went on a great run for us. Now, what was it like as a young player at that time when you seen all the, the internationals coming through the door? Was it daunting or was it something you and the other players relished because A, you got a chance to learn from it and you probably realised that we would go to better things? Of course, I And and, and when, when we heard Graham Sinners was coming out, one of his first interviews, he said he wanted to play. So it was myself and Derek, but in Magaluf, myself, well, if he wants to play, that means one is I'm not going to be playing. Or one is I'm going to play in a different position. So we went back and it was just now... He took to us now, he, went in, he made wholesale changes. Now, a lot of people left, and as I said, now they're due to their age, and maybe Graham didn't fancy him. But we went in, and, uh, I was fortunate enough to hit, well, hit it off him in a football sense, not a, <laughs> uh, a, a few other things, we never hit it off but again. But he, 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 he used to let me play and just say, just play, I'll, I'll, I'll be here, but you go and play. And, and I was fortunate enough, Derek played now in a, not his favourite position, but now it's, at that time, I'm just glad to get a jersey. Yeah, who did you learn most from? Was it just Graham watching him or training, or did you pick up wee bits from every different no, player? No, he barked at me every day <laughs> about now where to play and what to do. And I, I used to play 10, 15 yards in front of him, and I would just hear this constant voice behind me, left, right, now this, watch his coming runners. Uh, you've got David Cooper, now, Coisley now, great now. Terry Butcher, oh, he was just uh, a leader. You know, and uh, great respect for him now, but that dress from now, when you win and now, you, 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 you took on anybody in that dressing room at that time. Now you look about now, later on we got Graham Roberts. Graham Roberts, Terry Butcher, Graham Soonis. Oh. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And you had now that the wand, Cooper. Yeah, you mentioned that. I've been training around that time and the competitive nature of it. Um, it's the stuff of legends. Um, you know, did that prepare you training, that intensity for a Saturday? Was that the best preparation you could have? Well, you say that if we slacked in training, then we'd carry on to the game. And everything was full. Full. Mm-hmm. Even on a Friday before the games, now we, we used to play the Scotland England game, which was documented, and uh, we just now we went having and talk, mm-hmm. and that was it. Everything, David, and uh, that's what he wanted. If he's just like me training now, you're, you're out the team. Huh? That's what yeah. he wanted. That, that was now. That's the way he perceived it, and that's the way he wanted it. And so it was everything. Now there was first cups. Um, I was on the end of a right hook for the manager one day and there was tackles now that were outrageous but that's why he wanted it and that's why he got it Absolutely now the first trophy arrives in the way of the League Cup you beat Celtic the final you of course score um, was that the game more than anything that signified that Rangers were back with it along and would we kick on from that was that the, the kind of turning point I might put a statement down because we're, 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 we're under a bit of pee because uh, as soon as we suspended we had uh, multiple injuries can we face and Terry remember just lucky to go in the park and uh, I think I uh, think Terry Butcher was suspended as well, and uh, no, he wasn't suspended. Terry Butcher was somebody else suspended, and I think Ali Dawson that came in, but so we're under. But uh, his team talked that day. We just did it now. 
this is where the club's got to be winning finals now. And it's always the first thing now under Graham since getting to his first final. So he done it with a bit of business and that's the day we put a marker down at Celtic now we're, we're coming, that's now we're back where we belong. Yeah, of course we were going to win the league that season and I would end the name your hoodoo. Um, and then the following season I think you play your best ever game in a Rangers jersey, certainly Mize, it's a League Cup final against Aberdeen. Um, you know, the sight of you after the penalty shoot, which you scored the winning penalty, uh, standing there with your hands aloft, waiting for your teammates to, uh, to come in and get you. It's one of the iconic sights uh, as a Rangers supporter. You, you touched on it at the Gala side of it. I, 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 I said, oh, I'll take the last penalty, but I wasn't expecting the to go that far. And then when it did come up, Coops, I remember Coops, what are you doing? I goes, I'm just going to put it in the bottom corner. He goes, OK, then. I just went up and I knew going up because I, I, I was the quickest going up to the ball. I remember. Deba Francis two step, but I knew Deba put it, but I said quick as we know, and I put the ball down, and the ref and it just goes, I know, I know what I'm doing, and because uh, I just had that day, everything just went for me, and I, I remember going up and you, and I remember Jock Brown, it would be iconic, he'd been around, and I've seen the replay, and I'm the match, and I, I just knew going up, I was going to score it, and uh, I'm delighted, and, uh, I've got that famous celebration, I'd come around and I'll jump, but great memories, a great game, now we've several great games against Aberdeen at that time in terms of finals and uh, it was a great day. Now, you scored a goal in that final and it came in the form of a 1-2, a guy used to clean his boots, Mr McCoy, now you were going to have quite a link up playing, quite a relationship, was that something, you know, your relationship on the part, did you work in that or did it come naturally? It came naturally, uh, and, and, well, no, you work it I knew Coyce's movements and been in and out, and I knew when he, now he's always now the wall pass he could lay, but as soon as Coyce laid the ball off, his first intention was to get in the box as well. And I knew now, if I could get him, I used to go beyond Coyce all the time, because I knew if the ball was up and then straight out again, I knew what David Cooper could do with passing, so you're always taking gambles and taking risks. But now, relationships are now great Coyce, you know, I knew what he was doing, he, he had a fair idea what I was doing. If I go beyond, then he could drop in the hole and take balls, and but good, but sometime, but... You're not McCoy's, you don't expect the pass to come, you know what I mean? If it was a similar one, he would run and go, I don't think I'd have got the pass, but he's back to goal, so you've got a chance of getting his back to goal. But I remember he had the throw in, Jimmy Nicol Fleck, he laid it and I played a quick one too, and then this was just now the, the, the defence just opened up, and that was the day, and just, that just catapulted me in again, and I couldn't wait, just, I just wanted the ball, the ball, the ball, that thing. Now, throughout your career, you were the master of late runs um, from midfield. It's something this current Rangers team has really struggled with, albeit we've got a wee bit better recently, but the thing that impressed me is you never have to really, when you watch a lot of your goals back, you're not breaking your stride at any point. Um, can this be coached, or is this just something yeah, that's keeping naturally at you? Yeah, we used to do things, now. it's an old saying, I don't know if you know, if you know it, the third man run, yeah. where one comes out in the hole and one goes in and, and, and creates the space. And big job now, at the time job used to play on that a bigger centre forward so you had to go beyond in terms of getting the second ball or getting the flick up so you're constantly on the move and I, and I relate back to when Big Jock when we went at, at tournament Dusseldorf where he put me in the middle of the park when he must have seen something I was running forward and it was just things now I said now you, you people playing under Graham as soon as he could pass now for great David Cooper now as I said now the wand now you could do mm-hmm. anything with my ball you took your gambles remember my first game for Derek Johnson who was probably the best with his head at laying a ball off I've ever seen in my life how he cushioned headers or he could now he could actually get a weight of pass from his head if you running through and these are things now you, now you work on it's not it never happened all the time but you had a fair idea you can see you've got to try and get in the build up you'll see wee pictures where you say well this, this could maybe <laughs> come here or come here and then uh, say ten times you do it now three times or four times it might happen and the other ones but but see the other ones you're not getting a ball you're training space for somebody else and it's 
I watch football now, and it is a dying breed because they all want they all want they all call them a t- tippy tap players now. They all want touches, right? But you could play in a telephone box now. But my game is about now energy and try to burst right. forward and get forward. Absolutely. Now the League Cup was a very important competition for your Rangers team. It's basically was a springboard to success. Do you think the League Cup can be as an important a competition for the current Rangers players next season? Of course it can. It's a trophy. Yeah. And, uh, I know that it's not, it's not got the same values now getting into Europe, but. Uh, at the end of your end of your career, when you're you're looking about and you're, there's, there's a winners medal, that will be it now. Yeah. I don't care. I, I watch the kids there watching under eighteen youth final now. Hey, they might not get a chance. You're hoping they will. They're playing a hand and beating Celtic in a cup final. So you just got to embrace it. And you get and you win, you treasure. And uh, no no cup, uh, the league cup, the Ryber cup, anything devalues if you're beating if you're winning at the Rangers jersey. Yeah. Does it become easier once you've won something? No, it becomes harder because you want to replicate it all the time. And, uh, and once you're in top, it's like else now. The team at the other side of Glasgow, we're trying to chase them. And, uh, and they're, they're a winning formula. Rangers have got to get that. Mm-hmm. And the more you win, the, the more you, know, you want it. It's like, it's, like a, it's like a drug. Okay. You want it, and you want it, and you want it badly. And your first one is always your important one. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to ask you about the game or any kind of situation with your knee injury. I think that's pretty, been pretty well covered and documented extensively. Oh, fault. <laughs> I, I get to blame, it's my fault. <laughs> uh, I stuck my knee there, didn't I? It's my fault. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it's, uh, the challenge is probably one of the worst I've ever seen, but what I do want to ask you is see the kind of mental strengths, because especially in ladies, now knee injuries and the kind of reconstruction of knees was very much in his infancy, right? You were told on several occasions that your career was over, and you went to Lillyshaw for nine months. How tough, and where do you find the mental strengths to overcome that? Is it very much a battle I, 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 I had to go away. <laughs> But it was, if it wasn't for the, the surgeons in America, I wouldn't have played again. Now, that, that, they, they were doing the pioneering surgery at that time, replacing now ligaments and tendons. And uh, if it wasn't for them, now it was a Peter Scott who'd done the first operation. Was, now, miracle man, what, what he'd done to my knee in terms of now how he tied it up and what he'd done. But there was nothing. Uh, the ligaments of my body seemed to reject it now. When I was trying to do my knee. And, but I went to America and it, it just all now tricked for everything. I had to go to the other shop to get away. Now, I had to go and break down this mental barrier. Now, psychologically, in my head, I had to, I had to play again because when you're told you're not going to play again, now you've got to go and swim it down there. That was the worst ever. But cold, it's cold, was what was compared to. <laughs> and, but that's what it is. But I was down there and there was people with worse injuries than me. So there's no feeling sorry for us. Now there's jockeys, there's gymnasts now. We, you know, everything broken and but they had to get up and get on a horse because they've never got on a horse and everything they never get paid I was still under contract so I was in a forced position I was still getting paid and uh, these people and there was people in car crash it wasn't just for sportsmen it was other and they learned to walk again learn to do things and I I, I could go in here now some horror stories and for me now getting back but there was another 20-30 people that never knew I don't know if you remember the boy Paul Lake, Man City. Well, I, I thought a great listen to Paul. Me and Paul, I think we broke the record. I think he was about nine and a half months. I was nine months at Lillyshaw. And uh, he, unfortunately, he now he had to retire. And he had to retire at 22. So he's now facing the injuries. And yeah. I remember driving away that day and he, he said, I'll see you. I go, I'll see you soon in the pitch. And then he broke down and said, I don't think I'll play again. And it's he, hard, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, a young man, I'm going away now. I'm going to be, I've been told that's you, you've done, you're, you're, now you've got to go and kick on training now. So I'll leave now. now. In one way, 
relieved and delighted, but not really now very sad at now. A boy had a bullet relationship, we still keep in touch now, he's been told to retire at 22. Yeah, it's, it must be terrible to see, it? it's, pro- it's much a battle, mental as it is, physically isn't it, just try to overcome everything. But a lot of it was one v one for your coaches, and the, the, the two men events the physical dangers, Graham Smith and Grant Downey, now they're ex-army men and it's now they, they batter you, now to strengthen you, you know, your mind. And, They'll come in in a bad mood and they'll send you away in a 15-20 like, mile biker because they're in a bad mood. Mm-hmm. Do you want to share, No, thank you. No, I'm fine. Thank you. And, uh, and then you go away. <laughs> and then you come back and it'll be ridiculous exercise and just you now <laughs> basically batter you and then, then boost you again. Right, absolutely. Now, following your recovery, you were forced to adjust your game. Um, you adapted to taking a deeper line role. Is that something you were conscious of or very conscious of from the off? Or how did you go about this? And I was coming back and I remember we went to all the show under Graham Soonest, we're doing testing, the bleep test. My, my, my test and me Grant had it all was somewhat just under 16. When I come back, I could get, I could hardly get to 14. My sprint tests were three seconds down, four seconds down sprint test. So then I had to now. You have to evaluate about now. Well, I can't do that, and I can't do that. I can still break forward, but I can't. But now, <laughs> now I've lost a bit of sprint and power, so I had to adjust the different things. So what I done, I at the show, I just walked on my left foot for about three months, just constantly kicking on my left foot. So I sort of tried to mirror what I could do with my right foot, and I, I, I worked my left foot because I know now with the injury from kicking out all the time and I'm just going to put added pressure on the time so I'm going to try and alleviate that and try and put another pressure on the mirror one mm-hmm. so I just walked away and just in front of a mirror kicking the ball in front of a mirror just try to mirror things and so we, we had we bounce games we beat five a size and I just now started having a range of passing left and right just take balls and we used to have a, an exercise with two squares and they take a ball in and take a ball across and into the square and into the square so every time I was hitting the square I missed the square it was like a, a half a mile on a bike, so it started with a missed out, so I had to go on an eight mile bike run. Then at the end up, my last test of the, the exercise, it was only it was half a mile. I missed one out of 25 in a box. <laughs> so it's, it's, just, it's readjusting, isn't it? Replicating and trying to mirror things. It becomes muscle memory for you? Yeah. Yeah, um, your, your first goal back came at a crucial time in the league in 1991 in the running. It was against St Johnson, a lovely turn and finish. It was, it was just se- in the corner. See your celebration there, was that just a, a mixture of relief and joy? Because you seemed, obviously it was really happy, but was that you telling yourself, convincing yourself maybe any doubt that Lingard was gone? No, you're always, in the back of your mind, you're always self-conscious now, but it was just that was just relief. Because ah. now, now you, the night before you get told you're pregnant tomorrow, so all, all the families turned up again, so... Big family at that time, so there was you know, added pressure, they all turned up, and then I was fortunate enough to score quite early, albeit against Big Lindsay Hamlet. I think he <laughs> let me fucking score that day, I'm telling you. And uh, so, it just that was it. And uh, I, re- I remember it, uh, we had a bit of a depleted team, because I remember I was just off, we felt we John, John Spencer that day. And, but again, just everything, the emotion of you go through, and now all the hard times, the good times, then it. And then your memories start confirmed by what's the reason game that looks. Ah, and now Graham then would leave to oh, rejoin Liverpool, but go there as manager. Was Walter always a player choices? Because we were linked by some pretty big names back then. Oh, but the Rangers were a massive organisation, but the, the natural progression was for Walter. Now, 
how well would the gaffer do? But Cannon, yeah. he's just a game. He kept the ball rolling, attracted in a, another caliber player, a different caliber player. As soon as soon as now, attracted great players. But now when Walter coming, now you've got Loudon, now Gordon, Gascoigne, and other players. Now there's just a, there's a again a roller coaster. But again, he just let us go on. It was nothing really changed. Now it was still the same intensity or the hard training. Just still a great desire to win. Yeah. Now, see, when we won the league in 1991 with a clincher over Aberdeen, did you savour it a wee bit more because of the struggle you'd endured? Yeah, well, I was just, uh, again, we, me and Coyce were on the bench, but it was, a, again, patched up again. And in normal circumstances, we wouldn't be anywhere near the squad, but it was, I thought it was the week before we played Aberdeen. We played the last game, and it was remember the reserve League West, and yep. it was a Sunday at Hull, and I scored a hat-trick. And I got, I, I must have seen, so I, I did a wee, uh, again, spring and a step in the train that week. And I remember sitting on the bench and, and uh, Tom Cowan broke his leg after 15 minutes. Now you go on, mate. Jeez, well. But they just, then, Big Mark, you know, you think, because subconscious, you do think when you're playing against Aberdeen and then you get the injury and all that. So there's a lot of things that's through, but that day, everything just again, come on in, just enjoy that. Now, now we're all broken down old men at that time, but we got over the line, and again, that showed us now. In adversity now, you beat you can do now. We're just about hard work and a graft and just getting together. Absolutely. Now, season 92 93 was probably the greatest season in my lifetime as a Rangers supporter. What made that so special? Walter had kind of formed his own players, obviously, had the three former rule at that time. But it's great for us. Yeah, he had a very good team the year before, exactly. but you know, maybe just a wee bit of luck in the early stages. Well, but that well, season has some team to collect, didn't it? The biggest boost we got, obviously, is with the the introduction of the Champions League format and the three foreigners so you know there's a fair chance of playing again because now you couldn't go and buy the foreigners because it now there's no chance now because obviously now, as I said so everybody that can buy it and they're all flying on it especially with now, all the Scottish boys they were, mm-hmm. they were buzzing uh, and it was just a thing now we clicked pre-season really good pre-season went to Chico Choco again come back and then the start of the season started started and then get into a rhythm then we seen the door there you go, you fancy your chances here now, before team format, and it just clicked for now. You know, done beating on, and, and especially in Europe, but again, playing against now, the, 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 play, the team we played against was now, that's it, now the stuff's up there for the, the jersey, and just that inspired you to go and try and play it. Yeah. Now, as you say, the games that season are legendary, but you had a lot of fixtures. Um, you beat Leeds home and away now after the first game, you beat Aberdeen in the League Cup final. After the away game, you would have a game three days later at Parkhead, and I think somebody you know very well tells me a story that you phoned him on Wednesday evening after beating Leeds, and I think your boys were out celebrating. Yeah. He says he went in the half because you had a big game with Celtic on Saturday, but on Saturday he was forced to pick up the phone and apologise to you, wasn't he? Yes, David, my brothers, Matt, they were down at Leeds, and uh, remember you, you couldn't get any tickets, so I, I got them tickets and did a wee celebration after that game in Manchester, but then. It, as soon as as soon as the celebration was over, now everyone was focused to the Celtic game. <laughs> but uh, but it's probably the best game we could have got because I think if we did a lesser game, we have never struggled a wee bit. But that that just got us up buzzing again, and uh, we come back. We never done any training at all until the Saturday, and again uh, we went to Parkhead and got the, got the result, got the winner. Just kicked on there, and that just kicked us on again. Now. The phone call was keep that private. <laughs> you can pull them up next time. Now, the European games, especially in that season, seem to suit your style a wee bit more. You seem to enjoy them more. Um, did you never fancy trying your hand at going abroad for a, for a move, even at that late stage I'd, in your I'd, career? I had a chance later on, uh, but again, uh, 
uh, I signed for Kilmarnock, but I had a chance to go to France, but I just had a young family at the time, so it was just, it's, I think when you're going to go to abroad now, you're, you're, it's better to go when you're about 27, 28, but now, no, no, it's 30, 31, when you're, now you're coming to the end of your career now, it's a big, it's a big leap in terms of everything, the upheaval, everything, but, so they've just, I'd have loved it now, who knows if now, was talk for, before I get injured, there's talk of that, but never materialised, so it's not something I never really found the port, just sort of, I did have a chance later on, but I thought it was too old at that time. Yeah. Now, you played a massive part, obviously, in the 9 row campaign. Um, you know, of course, the game that all but clinched at Parkhead as well. How much is the pressure but in that 8-9 season? Is it? Do you enjoy it, or is it just about getting over the line? Well, nobody remembers if you see if you lose it. Mm-hmm. It's forgotten about. So now we get to 9. And it was, it was now, it's quite intense now, because you're now young. At that time, Celtic threw a bit of money at their team as well now, and getting Cadetti, De Cani, or other players and that. And so they were just making sure now they'll try to stop it every time. And again, now we went into the game, eventually won it. Now, again, it seems now like a broken down record, but another depleted team now. We've lost the goalie. We, we get big Andy Dibble up. Uh, George Alberts playing at left back. Now things now. The whole thing I was playing up front. Coyce was out. Gas was out now. Just a total combination. But the players that come in now. Like, Craig Moore and Alan McLaren out there, they were stubby boys, they knew the script, they knew what to do. They got Big Mark back from QPR. Didn't last too long at a good centre. <laughs> and uh, just added to it, but I, mean, I think they've just, just I think the signing, they just uh, totally out there. Left field, the signing of Mark Haley, and it just gave now the whole club a boost, and we went there. And probably the worst game ever, you know what I mean? But in terms of the, the importance of it, because it was, I just remember it was just three kicks after three kicks, and it was just it was like a WWF game. And uh, I was fortunate enough to get involved and loud up get the final touch. But great day, and uh, I get now uh, see your post match celebration, how much it meant to us. Absolutely, it's just big March presents, more men's than the games. That's what it was, yeah. It wasn't, but <laughs> we, we only won about March, we won about the man that was in goals, big devil. You've seen a warm up, we've dropped everything. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Remember, we were training on the Friday at Jordan Hill, and the boys now were doing our, our custody now, a few laps before we got our, our sprints that, and Alan Hoskin was warming up. And, all the boys were like, man, <laughs> can you catch a cold right? And you can see Walter and that. She's looking at each other, what we say to you? But again, he had a great couple of saves in the day of the game. I certainly did. He certainly yeah. enjoyed it. Well, he'd won the League Cup with Luton and he performed really well, oh, so maybe he just won for a big occasion. He was a great boy, I think. I was, uh, I think it just, when he'd been thrown out of that environment and that pressure, he would have told, but he handled it well and there was. He got us over the line in terms of now he did a couple of good saves. Yeah. Now, you did have a chance to stay at Rangers under Dick Avoca. Uh, did you ever think about it, especially when you seen the kind of specialised roles oh, of Wendy Fergie and Derek McInnitz in the European nights? Of course, I. There's a time you don't want to let go of Rangers, and I mean, but I, I knew I wouldn't be playing because now that Barry was coming through, Barry was a phenomenal talent. And, and it's sweet wish, yes, and going there and just maybe training and McInnitz, Dean Fergus is still there. I knew Van Bronckhorst was coming in, so no, but it was it was a great amount. He asked me, I mean, I had the meeting, and he said, like you stay. And I goes, listen, it's it's. I've got, I've been a father figure in the reserves for about a year now, year and a half now. I goes, I, I'd rather just go. And he goes, oh, I fully appreciate that. But he did tell us, as long as you don't play against Rangers, I goes, well, try my best. Come on, you can have had a, a second wind if you've got. I mean, your career. You ended up playing a large number of games. You got no. back in the Scotland squad. Was that unexpected even for you? Totally, or we, yeah? totally. But just it was just good down there. And I was just now when I say it, I love the pressure. I love different about Rangers now. But just it was, I was going into an environment where I was under no pressure, and uh, I just went down there. And we just had a new addition to the family. Uh, 
sofa in it. It's everything. Just, I just enjoyed it, and I, and I, I was quite surprised. About seven and a half years it came on up mm. on the playing side and the coaching side. So it was a good, but just the total enjoyment. But I took a few doings after, and you're right. I remember a five one. Yeah. Thought the scoreboard was going to blow up. <laughs> and you and couldn't get rid of your old mate either. Uh, I know he's a pest. And then we get accused of no trying against strangers. That brilliant. So I had to make up to him the day my birthday. We played at Ibrox and we beat Rangers three nothing. <laughs> I was waving up with him. <laughs> that was my birthday that day. We went out that night for something and we met Camel Logo. And he's still not talking to me at this time. Maggie is. And uh, Camel Logo goes and tapping the shoes. He goes, Oh, well played today. And he, he gave What that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, that was funny. Uh, after leaving, uh, playing, you went into coaching, obviously, first with Kamara, and then you went to Rangers with under 19s yeah. and reserve team. You even took charge of the first team for a game. And uh, uh, what until probably 2012 was you know, the biggest crisis of my lifetime. What was that like going into? That was just chaos. Man. A lot of good people were lost now. They're at mob. Man. It's very hard to talk about now that people have lost their jobs under that regime and what they've done to the club and what they're now. You know, it's taken us years to recover and it affected everybody. Also, my pal on us now. I thought he was now a dead man walking at one point. I thought there was nothing, he was lifeless. And I, I said on many occasions, you need to get out of here. It's affecting your health. But he stood and he, he tried his best, but it wasn't good enough because we had nothing, no control of anything, signing players or nothing, and then everything went sore. And it's a shame at the end of how it ends up like that. Yes, and, uh, but it was out, out of our control. We, you know, we, we didn't know what was going on. There was secret meetings all over the place, and we couldn't attract players. Yeah. Every time we got a player up at Murray Park, they said we couldn't sign them. So we went down the route of trying to get players to try to get through the leagues, and at the end up they weren't good enough. Yeah, it's hard, and I think you talked about uh, the impact they had on the college. You listen to the radio now; he seems to be back. Oh, yeah, seems to be bubbly, but like that, yeah. but honestly, we went in and we just we was in the room, and then it ended up with Maris Alesson. The bits of paper got there, that's so good, and they were just handing out paper and then telling people actually they'd have done it. Yeah. And, uh, people who worked there for a number and number yeah, of years? Yeah, well, Laura, Laura Tarbert, who was the only lady to be on the 1972, uh, playing to, to Barcelona. She was there 40-odd years, totally not required. And she worked under Greggy, Job Wallace, Graham Soonis, Walter Smith, Dick Advocat, Koyce, and then told Wee Wally to join her, maybe now. Oh, the ground staff. Now just we just relief ground staff coming in and now looking after now the the Harvard Tough Rangers. It's you see the state of disrepair the place was left in. Yeah, good thing you know, the people that care about the club and they're getting it's in a slow process, but now just hopefully this year they can go and do it now where they deserve to be. Yeah. Now you joined Steve Aitken as assistant manager at Dumbarton. Um, during that time you brought a young player by the name of Ross McCrory on loan. Could you tell his talent then or is it hard to judge at that age? Uh, I made a phone call out the blue and just more hopeful again him. And uh, we got him. And I said, Well, you've got a player here, man. He, he kept his own division, just with his enthusiasm his legs. And I could see where he could play him. We, we, we Steve Aitken. I thought he was a bit of a bamboo at the time, but there you go. Uh, no, he said, I'm going to play my career in the middle of the park now. <laughs> he goes, No, I've been watching him, his legs, and that was went up. So that day at Easter Road, which I think was the end, kept us up. Uh, he's up against McGinn and he said what did I do he goes we'll just go play against him I goes you've got to show him he goes if you sit half him you'll dominate if you've got to dominate him he'll be looking for you and the first minute of 50-50 he goes right through McGinn and for that the rest of the game McGinn was looking for him because he knew then he could match him leg wise 
and he also knew he could go and break forward as well. And that, that was uh, McGinn's went on to a great thing, but that day he struggled against Big Ross McCrory. And, and uh, I still believe to this day that Rangers can build a team in, but in that, in that position he plays. A uh, great boy, wants to play, wants to play for Rangers and wants to win things. Do you think, it's even when you're younger, obviously, Spelly Hard was invaluable. Do you think it's just about, you played a lot of games, you know, from your 16 to 20. Is that the age you need to be playing football with men? You need to be good enough. Uh, that's what I'm saying. I, I was fucked now. I think that they make a mistake with the reserve league now. I, when I was playing the reserves at 16, now, Derek Johnston, Colin McAdam, Gregor Stevens, now, hardly professionals mm-hmm. telling you what you do, your job, and if you want to do your job, now they're on top of you. Now it's the, the play against now, it's Sometimes 14-year-olds are playing against 16-year-olds. It's not really a, an environment. Now, you need to be in an environment that you're, you're going to have to go and earn your corn and uh, now show what you can do. I think now, they keep talking about development, but developments now, you, you've got to go and play with men. Because yeah. at the end of the day, when you play in the first team, you play with men. And now, you, you've, now they know the script. Now they, they learn you learn. So you end up now good things and bad things and how you look after yourself and also now how you go and play. Would you think it would be a better environment? You know that they talk about the Colts teams for Rangers and Celtic going down, or do you think it's more invaluable as you say you play on a loan spell where you've got a mix of people at different stages in their careers? Well, loans are good, but the first and foremost, but the loans have got to go and play. Now, so now you, you see a lot of loans that don't go and play. I think the Colts teams will be great if they can get in the lower divisions, but feeling that, when you look at Rangers squad, Rangers first team squad must have 26 players, 27, 28. Mm-hmm. On a Saturday, on a Friday, there used to be two, two went up. First team in reserves. That was the first team, and the reserve arm was littered. The first team players that couldn't get a game in the first team. So you either go over the floor or you try and get back in the first team. And that's what it was. We played the games at Ibrox. The first team at Pataudry. Rangers at Ibrox. Rangers at Ibrox, the reserves at Pataudry. So you're playing an environment where you're playing against people who, not all of them, but some way you now got to get back in the first team, so you're playing in front of a good crowds. I remember it used to be three, four thousand. Yeah, all the old boys that couldn't go to the games, so they were long there. Yeah. So you get the front of the crowd, but you're playing in stadiums. Now the games are not played at least. Now academies now. Not teaching the right environment, is it? No, it is the right environment. That's the way you go back. I don't think they're learning as quick. So, I'm, as I said, I'm playing in an environment with older pros. In front, and they know now because you can hear all the shouts if they're not doing the business, and that's what it was. And as I said, under that, that leadership of Joe Mason, who was brought up old school, and we had to play every week and play at a certain level. And the demands are Rangers. Absolutely. Now, I promise I'll get you out of here on this one. Um, what are you up to now? Do you ever see yourself come back in it coaching? I never say never. Uh, just now, I'm just enjoying playing golf and doing a few things. I've been back at a few games, so it's been good. Um, just, it's the only thing I've ever known. And you're trying to turn your teeth to now something else you know, you've never, you're ailing to, but if, it, if the opportunity comes up and I think it's right for me, then I'll go ahead. But just now I'm just enjoying it, just enjoying life. Yeah. Well, all I've got to do is thank you very much Ian, for this, it's been thank an honour. Stephen, cheers, thank you. Thank you. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that as much as I did. That was an absolute pleasure. Um, it was a really enjoyable football conversation, and Ian was very forthright and honest. So, as always, if you get any comments, please, I'd love to hear from them. Just leave them in the comments section. And once again, I'd just like to thank Ian for taking the time out to do this. Thank you.
sitting here with uh, one of my first Rangers idols and still to this day uh, one of my favourite Rangers of all time, Mr Ian Ferguson. How are you? Hi David, how are you? It's none other than Mr Mark Haley. Welcome Mark. Good morning still. Yes. It is good morning. It is Thanks very much for doing this, Nigel. Thank you very much. Appreciate us. Um, first thing I'd like to ask you is, uh, going out to Spain, what if anything did you know about Rangers? Quite, quite funny story, but... Uh... Clint, I can't thank you enough for your time on this. It's been absolutely great and a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you very much, mate. Thanks for your time and thanks for having me on. I'd just like to thank you, Craig, for taking the time to, to do this and giving us so long as well and speaking so honestly. No, 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 I'm not that. Thank you. It's been a, it's been a pleasure being a pleasure talking to you guys. Tony, thanks very much for doing this. Um, thanks for joining me. No, no, it's been uh, it's been good. It's always uh, nice to uh, to to, uh, to remember back uh, back uh, all those years ago. And uh, yeah, as I said, I uh, I, I love my time in, uh, in in Glasgow. I am delighted to be joined by none other than Scott Nesbitt. What a welcome! Thank you. Um, today, I'm joined by. A real hero of mine and a real hero to many Rangers fans is none other than broadcasting football legend Mr Andy Gray. Um, I thank you very much for joining us, Andy. My pleasure. Joining me today is a friend of the show and all-round good guy. Uh, now, of course, leading pundit with BT Sports and uh, Rangers TV, Kevin Thompson. Kevin, thanks for joining us again. Thanks, mate. Pleasure to be on as, as usual. Uh, it's always good to have you on. Today I have someone with me who played in countless classic Rangers games and literally was one of my childhood heroes. A warm welcome to Mark Walters. How are you, Mark? Uh, very, very good, thank you. Uh, thanks, th- thanks for coming on. Folks, I can't actually believe I'm saying this, but uh, I was I was going to say I'm sitting here with a former captain of Rangers, but I'm going to say I'm sitting here with the former captain of Rangers and you will know exactly who I mean. It's Mr Richard Goff. And joining us from the podcast is Alex Staff. Um, Richard, you were just telling us there, we were both, this will come as no surprise to all you listeners, that he looks as though he could play on Thursday. Um, you were just telling us how you keep fit. Uh, well, long story that. I mean, I'm... Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.